Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Brian Ellison. Today is Monday, December 5th. Coming up, as Congress moves forward with legislation to protect same-sex marriage rights, what does that mean for the law and for politics in Kansas and Missouri? But first, it's our weekly Monday roundup of what's happening in state politics and government on both sides of the state line. Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt has dropped his legal fights over COVID-19 public health orders. But as the Midwest Newsroom's Steve Vokrot reports, the Lee's Summit School District hasn't let Schmidt off the hook for one of his lawsuits. The Lee Summit School District wants a judge to rule whether the Missouri Attorney General had authority to demand that schools rescind COVID measures like mask requirements. Eric Schmidt sued the district and several others earlier in the year, claiming school districts can't insist that students wear masks. The Attorney General's office later dismissed its own case. But the Lee Summit District didn't let go. It's arguing that Schmidt doesn't actually want to defend what the district is calling his, quote, meritless claims. A spokesman for Schmidt didn't return a call seeking comment, but in court filings, the office says the whole issue should be set aside because the district isn't requiring masks at the moment. In Missouri, the start of December means bill pre-filing has begun for next year's legislative session. Many of those bills never even get a committee hearing, but the hundreds of proposals can give a sense of where lawmakers' priorities might be. So far, after a fatal shooting at a St. Louis high school in October, it appears curbing violence in schools will be at the top of many lawmakers' lists. But as you might expect, the two parties are putting forward very different solutions. Democratic bills are focusing on gun restrictions. One proposal would prohibit anyone under 20 from purchasing semi-automatic weapons. Another would require background checks and a concealed carry permit. The GOP, which holds a supermajority, has largely rejected tighter gun laws. Instead, one Republican bill would expand the school protection officer program, which could allow teachers or administrators to carry a firearm at school for security. There will surely be many, many more ideas between now and the start of the session in Jefferson City on January 4th. The director of the Kansas Bureau of Investigation will retire next month, which means incoming Attorney General Chris Kobach will have a big decision right out of the gate. Blaze Mesa of the Kansas News Service reports. Outgoing director Kirk Thompson has been in his role for over a decade. The director of the KBI is appointed by the state attorney general, a role that is changing hands after Chris Kobach won the seat. The attorney general's office will stay in Republican control, going from Derek Schmidt to Kobach. The decision will be his to make, and members of his transition team say several qualified candidates are interested in the role. Whoever Kobach appoints must be confirmed by the state senate. And is it too soon to be thinking about the 2024 Missouri governor's race? Maybe, or maybe not. Several high-profile Republicans are already testing the waters or jockeying for position. Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe has already announced his candidacy to succeed the term-limited Governor Mike Parson. State Senator Bill Eigel of Weldon Spring has been openly contemplating a run, and this week he pre-filed a bill proposing spending up to $9 billion of surplus state funds on a big statewide project widening I-70 to three or four lanes, all the way from St. Louis to Kansas City. And Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft sent a very public open letter to retiring U.S. Senator Roy Blunt, calling on him to oppose a bill protecting same-sex marriage rights, advice Blunt did not follow, as we'll explore in just a moment. Asked by reporters whether he was running for governor, Ashcroft said only, quote, I am just doing my job, and we will see what happens. 
We'll be right back. You listen to Kansas City Today every day because we're your local, reliable news source. You take us seriously. But now it's time to have some fun. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host Ari Shapiro is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org radioactive. This week, the U.S. House of Representatives is expected to take up the Respect for Marriage Act. If it passes and is signed by President Biden as expected, it will enshrine certain rights of marriage for same-sex and interracial couples, rights that have come about as a result of Supreme Court decisions in the past, into federal law. The measure passed the Senate last week with the votes of all the Democrats plus 12 Republicans, including retiring Missouri Republican Senator Roy Blunt. Missouri's other Republican Senator, Josh Hawley, opposed it, and so did both Kansas Senators Roger Marshall and Jerry Moran. I spoke with Rudy Keller, who's covering the issue for the Missouri Independent. Rudy, how surprising was it that Roy Blunt was among the senators voting yes on this measure? Somewhat surprising. Um, You know, he hasn't made this any kind of an issue that he's um, said that he's concerned and and thinks is important. But he's also leaving office in January, and um, he probably is thinking about his legacy. And he's also freed from any consequences with the voters. So all of that could be playing into what he's how he made his decision. Now, that vote came after the release of a very public open letter from Missouri Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft, who urged Blunt to pull back and oppose the measure. Uh, why was the Secretary of State weighing in at all? What, what was the gist of his argument? Well, the gist of his argument is that Senator Blunt needs to heed the views of Missourians as expressed in 2004 when we added a provision to our state constitution defining marriage as between a man and a woman. Secretary Ashcroft also knew that the vote was coming that evening, and so it was likely that if he spoke up afterwards, he would, you know, it would be too late, and if he had spoken up long ago, people might not remember it. So he probably decided that the best timing was right before the vote, knowing probably that it wouldn't change anything. Which which does lead to the, the question about what, what Ashcroft's motivations might be. Uh, he, he appealed in the, his letter to um, what he said was Missouri's opposition to same-sex marriage. He talked about the, the Constitution, although he didn't mention that that amendment was passed in 2004, as you said. Um, Polls much more recently, in fact, even polls back before the Supreme Court decision in 2015 on same-sex marriage showed that Missourians' views had actually shifted, that Missourians today, uh, a plurality, probably a majority, actually support same-sex marriage. Why is Ashcroft going down this road? There are several motivations. One could just be a pure religious and personal conviction that this is wrong. And um, you always have to give someone the benefit of the doubt that they're sincerely acting on behalf of what they think is right. Then you can take a cynical view of it and you can say, well, this is a man who is uh, thinking about the Republican nomination for governor in 2024. He's got Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe, who uh, is a formidable opponent, um, already running. And he's got several others who are running. So he's trying to stake out his position as the social conservative in the race. So let's play out the implications of the uh, 
Respect for Marriage Act. Uh, there's been reporting on it that has used the language that it uh, codifies same-sex marriage on the federal level. What exactly does the the bill actually do? Well, the Supreme Court decisions that it enacts into the federal law include both the Obergefell decision that legalized same-sex marriage nationwide, but also the Loving decision that legalized interracial marriage. And these, both of those decisions are based on the idea that a marriage is a private decision. It, it puts a backstop in case something were to happen like what happened with Roe v. Wade where in this summer, where the Supreme Court decides that its previous precedent should be overturned. At that point, there would become a more t- more tension between the dormant Missouri constitutional provision and the active federal law that would probably end up being resolved in the courts. And we should note there's a very similar constitutional provision in the Kansas Constitution, also uh, from uh, decades ago, but which sits there uh, and presumably, uh, some would argue, could be put back into effect if something happened with that that Obergefell. Uh, decision by the Supreme Court. So, so Rudy, let's say the, the Supreme Court does at some future point overturn that decision, as Justice Clarence Thomas has suggested earlier this year that it should do. What would the status of same-sex marriage law be in Missouri? Well, it wouldn't change until and unless a federal court, and this would probably end up at the Supreme Court, as most of these things do, some person who's responsible for issuing a license would have to refuse to do so and cite the Missouri constitutional provision. At that point, the people who were seeking the license would sue and the courts would decide whether the supremacy clause of the United States Constitution that says federal laws shall be um, shall, shall rule over the, all the 50 states in the United States territories is in effect or whether there is enough separation of powers between the states and the federal government that the states have the the authority here. The abortion decision from the summer clearly gave the authority back to the states. It occurs to me that that issue has been uh, tested in Missouri even fairly recently with the uh, the Second Amendment Preservation Act that that asserted that state uh, law enforcement could not enforce federal law. Right. And, you know, there's a difference between saying that law that you won't enforce federal law, for example, by joining a federal law enforcement agency with your sheriff or your police department to um, track down some gun criminals, as opposed to defying federal law uh, by refusing, say, to recognize or, or issue the certificate for a, uh, for a same-sex marriage much there are federal anti-discrimination statutes that if there were not similar ones in Missouri, you might get that kind of a challenge. But no one has ever said that like fair housing laws at the federal level can't be enforced locally. So there's there's where the tension is mm. going to come from. There are uh, some examples, right, in the past of places where sort of outdated provisions in the state constitution uh, at some later point, legislators or the, or the general public made efforts to clean up, right? A decision like um, the Obergefell decision doesn't erase the provision of Missouri's constitution that defines marriage between a man and a woman out of the constitution. It's still there, dormant, much like the constitutional provision 
that required Missouri to have segregated schools remained in the Missouri Constitution until 1976 when the legislature put it on the ballot. And I've gone back and I've looked at that vote. There were a lot of counties that vo- in Missouri that voted against removing that from the Constitution that year. So it would take an affirmative act, either of the legislature or an initiative, to remove that from the Constitution. So, Rudy, you, you of course, cover the Missouri General Assembly. Do you see this issue coming up in the, in the next couple of years? Would there be efforts either to revise the Missouri Constitution uh, to, to be more supportive of same-sex marriage or to, to go the other way, to, to respond to this federal law with some sort of new restrictions or provisions? That has yet to be seen. I, I, I would be curious whether that, that would happen. I don't think we'll see uh, an, an effort to repeal this and put it on the ballot, the repeal of that provision. I also don't think we'll see any strong reaction in the legislature. An interesting case study could be made of the national reaction to the Roe versus Wade decision versus the national reaction to the Obergefell decision. When Roe versus Wade came down in 1973, there were only a handful of states that had legalized abortion, and it was very much of a controversial issue state by state. By the time the Obergefell decision came down, there were a multitude of states, perhaps a majority, that were performing same-sex unions. And even in Missouri, which where they were prohibited, the courts were issuing divorce decrees for same-sex marriages um, that were performed in other states. And the state was accepting combined tax returns from married couples of the same gender. And, and there was a little bit of squawking about that, but no one, not the kind of massive push and organization against it that um, Roe versus Wade generated. So it's, I, I, think it's, I think it's a settled political issue, it seems at this point. Yeah, it's interesting, Rudy, you make the comparison to uh, the issue of abortion rights, which, of course, has occupied a lot of our attention this year across the country and especially in in Kansas. Um, We just saw a midterm election where extremely conservative candidates weren't always successful, where abortion rights measures across the country actually drew bipartisan support. I wonder if you see Republicans in our region returning to culture war issues like same-sex marriage. Will they be able to make political hay out of this the way they have in the past, or will they decide it's time to move on to, to, to other things? What you'll hear politicians talk about in you know, legislative district races and statewide races is going to be determined by what the polls tell them the voters that they're speaking to are interested in. So in a Republican primary, the candidate will say, um, what are what do people care about? So we heard a lot this year about inflation. The polls told them that people cared about inflation. Polls also told them that people cared about abortion. And you saw in a bunch of states where Republican candidates, after winning the primary, had much less to say about abortion than they did in the intra-party contest. Right. So there will be culture war issues. There always seem to be. But it's the ones that that, that polling will tell them people are interested in and care about right now. That's Rudy Keller of the Missouri Independent. You can read more of his reporting on all things Missouri government and politics at MissouriIndependent.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Brian Ellison. 
This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin, Byron Love, and KCUR Studios, and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For all the latest local news from Kansas City's NPR station, be sure to keep up with KCUR.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.